So there is this state that the ancient scriptures call shalom. Shalom is when everything is the way it's supposed to be. Perfect love, no fear, complete belonging. It is when people are fully known, fully loved, no fear of rejection. Shalom is who God is. And shalom is how the world began. According to Genesis 1 and 2, God's creation was intended to be in a beautiful state of shalom. The very beginning of the Bible is this description of creation in a state of shalom, as God intended. So that Hebrew word, shalom, it means peace, wholeness, harmony, and flourishing. That word shows up 397 times in the Hebrew scriptures. All of creation at the beginning was in a harmonious peace with God, self, and each other. Humanity was in right, peaceful relationship with themselves, with each other, with God, and with the environment. And after each day of creation, when we read through the creation account in Genesis 1, God sees creation is good. It's in a state of shalom. We're beginning this new series called Waging Peace. And just a moment ago, we sang, uh, you know, about, what, about this. We sang about how it is in you that we find wholeness. It is in you we find out who we are to be. So Genesis starts in this perfect state of shalom. At the end of Genesis 2, the writer points out that the man and the woman, Adam and Eve, were both naked but not embarrassed. They felt no shame over their vulnerability. And in their book, Mending the Divides, Creative conflict, or, uh, creative, uh, conflict in a conflicted world, uh, the authors of that book say this. They say, humanity in the beginning flourished as they embraced their identity as God's beloved. We just read about that with the kids. The wonder of their diversity and the gift of being cherished by each other. Creation flourished as humanity stewarded it with wisdom. Everything was the way it was supposed to be. They were naked and unashamed, fully known, fully alive, fully free. All of existence was complete and whole. It was peace on earth for two chapters, Genesis 1, Genesis 2. And it didn't take long before this wholeness of shalom began to crack. The man and the woman began to wonder whether or not we are truly God's beloved or are we just pawns in some divine drama. They began to question if they were truly 
beloved. And through conversation with a deceptive serpent in the story, humanity began to resent the fact that they had been created into a story of which they were not the authors. And ultimately, they decided to take matters into their own hands. So we see the fall in Genesis 3. But even at the fall, God does not abandon these beloved creatures. He does not abandon humanity and creation once the shalom is shattered. In Genesis 3, we see God providing clothing for the man and for the woman to relieve them of their shame. And God's purpose even now, then and now, is to restore all of creation, including humanity, to the state of shalom. And so this series is about how God's purpose is to restore all things to the state of shalom. And we, followers of God in the way of Jesus, are invited to partner with God in that work. As Huckins and Swigert put it, they say that shalom, even after the fall, shalom was still God, and God was still very near. But peace on earth was no more. The garden, a place of intimacy and purpose, had been replaced with a wandering, toiling existence. Home for Adam and Eve was now a world beyond shalom. It was a world marked by uncertainty, pain, and conflict. All of creation has fallen from the state of shalom that God originally intended. And the mission of God is to restore shalom to all creation. And we're called to partner with God in that work. Now, whenever we talk about the mission of God, we run the risk of falling in a couple of ditches that I think that we should talk about for a moment. Whenever we talk about the mission of God, I'm aware that we always run the risk of externalizing mission so that we are working for something out there in the world that is not true right here in my life. And the work of God is both and. It is an internal work of changing human hearts. It is an internal work of your living more and more moments in the awareness of God's constant presence in your life. It is that work. And it, is an, it evidences itself in external ways. That the gospel is meant to bring shalom to broken systems in, on our earth, on this planet. It is meant to bring peace to human relationships and systems. It is both and, and it is an internal work, and it evidences itself in external ways. And it's important that we don't separate these two, because sometimes people will become so focused on the interior life that they become blind to the reality that God so loved the world, the world, not just me, the world that he gave his only son, that Christ came to restore 
all things. That you are restored to work for restoration, that you are blessed to go be a blessing to others. Christ did not come and live and die and rise so that the already convinced can have nice quiet times. He did not come and live and die and rise so that the privileged in some nations might have beautiful worship services. He came to redeem and restore all things, and we are invited to partner with him in that work. Uh, Sometimes we have so externalized the mission of God that we have confused mission with witness. Do you know the difference? Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. That's like, you will be my witnesses in Platte Park, in Denver, and to the ends of the earth. It is possible, though, to so externalize the mission of God that we are on a mission for God while not being witnesses to the change that's happened in us. So it is possible to be on mission for something that you have not been witness to. You will be my witnesses, Jesus said. The problem with confusing mission and witness is that you can work for God and never be changed by God. One time Jesus even warned, he said, there will be people at the end who say, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? And God will say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. You can be on mission for God and never be changed by God. You can be on mission for something that you have not witnessed or it's been a very long time. So these two things go hand in hand. We cannot separate them from each other. The greatest danger, actually, to intimacy with God, many have said, is service for God. Because God did not call you, first and foremost, to go change the world as much as we want to think that. Jesus said, be my witnesses of the change that has happened within you. And that's why when you think about the greatest world changers throughout human history, very often they are people who have experienced deep inner change themselves. And these are tied. So where does shalom begin? Where does it begin? Where does it start? Begins with God. God is shalom. God is peace. So when we talk about waging peace in our homes, in our communities, in the world, it begins with God 
who is shalom, who is peace. See, if I am disintegrated, if I am divided, I call forth division in my relationships and in the world. But if more and more of my moments are lived in the presence of the one who is whole, unified, who is God, who is shalom, who is peace, when I live there, then I call forth in myself, in others, in my community, in the work that I do, I call forth that unity. I call forth that wholeness. I call forth that integration because that's where I live. I live in him. I live in a God who is peace, who is shalom. And I'm invited on this mission he's already about to redeem and restore all things. I'm invited to partner with him in that, to bring shalom to all that is broken in our world. I read a very interesting quote this week. It's a... Eastern Orthodox monk. He died in 1938. He's of Russian origin. Sometimes I read these old authors and, you know, you're just like, whoa, that is not what you're hearing on, uh, you know, pop culture. You're not reading this in a magazine at the grocery store. So listen to what this guy says. He said this, how can you find out if you're living within the will of God? Here's the sign. If you're troubled about anything, this means that you have not completely given yourself over to the will of God. This is where he starts. A person who lives in the will of God is not concerned over anything. And if he needs anything, he gives both it and himself over to God. And if he does not receive the necessary thing, he remains calm nevertheless as if he had it. The soul, which has been given over to the will of God, is afraid of nothing. Not of thunder, nor of thieves, nothing. But whatever happens, she says, thus it pleases God. If she is sick, she thinks this means that I need to be sick, or else God would not have given it to me. Thus peace is preserved in both soul and body. So the rest of this month, we're going to be talking about waging peace by living more and more of our moments in the broken bread, in the poured out wine, of the death and life and resurrection of Christ. And as we live there working to join God in his mission of restoring shalom to this planet. We're going to be talking about waging peace. And we're going to be using this book, Mending the Divides, as a bit of a map for this series. And in that book, they talk about a fourfold method for waging peace. And this is it. See, immerse, contend, restore. Waging peace means, first of all, learning to see differently, to see the world through God's eyes. Waging peace means we immerse ourselves into the realities of conflict in and around our lives. We don't separate. 
we immerse ourselves. Contending, waging peace means we contend for the shalom of others. It's not contending for my own comfort and prosperity, but I'm contending for the shalom of others. And then lastly, waging peace means we act as witnesses to the restoration of God all around us. We're called to partner with God in his mission of restoring shalom to creation. So over the next few weeks, we are going to look at what this means for us individually and as a community. So let's pray together as we close. God, just as we say you are love, it is true to say you are peace. And God, you know how often our lives are lacking peace. As we feel disintegrated inside ourselves, at conflict with one another, troubled by the state of our world. So this morning, once again, we place ourselves in you. The perfect triune dance of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who are shalom, who are flourishing, who are good and right and just and true. May we live more and more moments of our days in your presence, and may we bring your presence to an ever-hurting world. We pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.